So we are in the vision series, following Jesus together, growing in wholeness for the renewal of Washington. And we're going to be talking about the why today on the final line. So would you stand for the reading of the word? We are in Isaiah, I would say Isaiah, but Isaiah chapter 61, and it reads this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, Morning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They will, shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Let's pray. God, what an amazing truth that we have just read. Lord, that your heart is to renew all things, to renew the hearts of people, to renew the physical space. But God, we need you right now. And I've loved this prayer. Would you awaken our hearts today? Would you widen our minds today? Would you reshape our identity in you? That's what we do as we gather here, Lord, that you would expand and awaken for those who are tired, who are worn out, who are broken, who are mourning. God, would you be their strength today? God, for those who are full of joy and expectation, God, may that contagion move amongst our community today as we hear your word which shapes, which encourages, which forms our very being. God, would you open our ears, eyes, hearts, and minds to what you have to say in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So this is a story. Uh, Matt Emmons is his name. In 2003, sorry, four, at 23 years old, joined the Olympics for the U.S. team. He was part of the 50-meter rifle three position. And so in this competition, he was crushing it. He was on his final shot. And he had enough points ahead of second place that if he just hit the bullseye in any part of that measure, that he would win gold. Imagine this moment. This man has trained his entire life for this moment. Eyes up the shot, slows his breathing down, and as he exhales, he fires. The shot pierces through and nails the bullseye. Can you imagine that moment? You've trained your entire life for it and you see the bullseye hit. In your heart, you would feel this alleviation of just like, yes. And so he looks up and he sees the scoreboard and his name has dropped down to eighth place. He'd hit the competitor's bullseye. He had fired the perfect shot At the wrong place. Now his story you can check out. He has another couple of issues that happen. It's an amazing story. But actually out of that story he met his girlfriend now wife. So it all worked out. 
But I think this story is not only just a, a funny story that he probably laughs at now, but actually it's a powerful illustration of the church. I think the church has been hitting the wrong target. I think as a community that we fire and we think, yes, I've hit the target. We celebrate thinking this is what it's all about. Yet we've been missing the target that God actually desires for our lives. We've been missing the target. I believe that this is one of the poignant targets that we miss. It's the one-day bullseye versus the culture of renewal. You've been told or maybe brought about is that you're a sinner that you need saved and one day you're going to go to the good place. That this is the story that we celebrate. We celebrate salvation and we're like, yes God, more to your heaven, more people to a place one day. We celebrate those things. We have more access to church information, the latest songs, amazing sermons that you can listen to online, anywhere you want. You can podcast whatever you want, yet more people are leaving the church than ever in America, and we're losing the next generation. Because I believe we're celebrating the wrong thing. Yes, it's good that people are saved into the kingdom of God but we're just aiming for the one day rather than the culture of renewal that God wants to bring here and now. We are not activating the power of God here and now. We're aiming at a target and celebrating one day rather than God's calling on our lives to be people who renew now, here and now. The renewal bullseye is what we should long for, the present transformation of this World. And so we have been looking through just these three lines of following Jesus together, growing in wholeness. But I tell you what, just growing in wholeness, if you just try and have a self-help Christianity, you're missing the bullseye. If you're just living for Jesus, make me feel better, make me feel more peaceful, more blessed, you are also missing the bullseye. And so these three statements work perfectly together. You cannot have one without the other. We cannot have renewal if we are not following Jesus. And if you're following Jesus, the invitation, as we spoke about last time, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. Amen? That you might not be where you want to be yet. But if you look back, God has been faithful and he has moved you into where he is calling you to be. That's the power of the gospel, but it's not a self-help gospel. It's a gospel of power that renews here and now. And we just read that truth today. And just to summarize, Isaiah, this is what Isaiah says, good news to the poor binding up of the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor and his justice to comfort all who mourn, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. If you need a promise today, if you feel like you're stuck, that you're broken, this is what God is all about. God's heart is renewal. Isaiah is a prophet back in the Old Testament. And when he spoke, this is under the context of what God wants to do. Isaiah's been 
judging the people of Israel because they don't follow Jesus. And it shifts later into the book into the hopeful restoration that God wants to bring. Because God's heart, people, is to bring renewal to this world. His heart is that you become like the image of God, like the beginning of creation. So he celebrates in renewing people. But he doesn't just leave people renewed. It says that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Do you claim that identity over yourself today? Do you say, hey, I'm Craig and I'm righteous? Do you say, hey, I'm Ralph, I'm righteous? Do you say, I'm Ashley, I'm righteous? Do we even associate ourselves with righteousness? Because that's a tar pill. That means that you are in right standing with God with right action. Because of Jesus, because of this renewal, because we're growing in wholeness, God is calling us oaks of righteousness. But this third line is so beautiful, that they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Have you heard those words before? Have you heard that truth that this is what it's all about? That Jesus came to proclaim, to heal, to renew, to bring wholeness to us so that we can be people who restore the ancient ruins. As a pastor, this is one of my many great joys that when people give their lives to Jesus, the family line is about to change. The identity of generations of devastations is about to be turned upside down because Jesus is about to intersect into a broken life and bring about newness. You and me in this room today, I'm standing here as a testimony of a generation changing from brokenness. And I grew up, I'm fourth generation Christian, right? So I've got good seed, but there's still brokenness in my lineage. There's still things that need renewed. There's still mindsets that need change. And every generation, I just see it moving, that moves closer to the purposes of Jesus. We bring more life, more fruit, more goodness, because this is the heart of the gospel. And the invitation, notice the language that they came and they may be called oaks of righteousness, that they shall build up the ancient ruins. Guess what, guys? You're invited today to be part of becoming righteous. You're invited to bring renewal. And ancient ruins, does that sound like a good picture for what Washington might be? It's an ancient ruin. We see the buildings of grander, great days previous before, but we also see the rubble of other buildings which have been disconnected and left. And God is saying your salvation is not for a one-day experience. It's for here and now because the power of God, amen, is within you. That was real good, guys. Let's work on this, okay? This morning, let's do a little stretch. Let's raise our hands in the air this morning. Let's say, hey, let's go. Let's say this again, that God is about to bring renewal to Washington. Amen? Come on. I knew you were charismatic in there some way. I just need to remind you of it. And so Jesus' revolution begins with this, this story. In the Gospel of Luke, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. I won't put the words on the screen because I want you to get your Bibles out. 
Luke chapter 4. And turn those pages if you have physical Bibles. Let me hear them move. Um, You're not more spiritual. You can open up. You can, uh, whatever, light up your Bible. That is also good as well. But in this passage, Jesus brings about the story of Isaiah. And Luke wants to turn the volume up on this passage. Now, the context is Jesus has just come into his hometown. This is Nazareth. This is where he has come, uh, where he was born and raised, and he has come back on the Sabbath in his church. So imagine you just coming back to your church family today, and he pulls to this perfect moment, Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, proclaimed good news to the poor. He has sent, proclaimed liberty to the captives, recovering the sight of the blind, set liberty for those who are oppressed, became the year of the favor of the Lord. You can imagine in that moment, they were wowed by his words. It wasn't just these words he was speaking, an association he made. And suddenly this alleviation of who is this man? Who is this one who brings words of life? But it was his hometown. It was comfortable. And he came with a message, remember the context of Isaiah, that said, this is the favor of the new thing. That you, the ownership comes on they, us, become agents of renewal to that culture. And so they heard those words because they would have memorized this passage because that's what you did without screens. You memorized a lot of words because you didn't have much else to do. And so they knew the whole passage. As soon as Jesus would have started reading that, they would have connected the other dots that this is the Savior who's about to change everything. This is the fulfillment And there's a calling upon my life to be different. And notice what happens as he finishes these gracious words. Is this not the son, Joseph? And there was this doubt that filled the room. Because suddenly this expectation, this bullseye that Jesus was putting in front of them, renewal is about to come into the world. They wanted a bullseye of comfort. I don't know if I want what you want, Jesus. I don't know if I want to experience that. Yes, give me the blessings. Yes, give me the miracles. Because look to the next line. It says, Jesus knows their thoughts and said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What if we have heard you did at Capernaum do in our hometown as well? The people want the comfortability Jesus, come do what you did before here in our hometown. And Jesus is saying, you're missing the picture of what it means to be a follower of God. Because then he goes on to two stories he tells about Elijah and Elisha. He tells about these prophets who he says did miracles, one to a widow who he made provision, and the second of Elisha, a healing of an army, a military guy. Both of them were not Jewish people. Both of them were Gentiles. Both of them were not in the line of blessing that they thought was all about. Because remember, the Jewish people had got this idea of bullseye is Israel's own success. Israel to be a blessing. And they had separated the mission that God had always breathed from the beginning that we would be blessed for all nations. So easy is it for us to aim and, bull, uh, and fire the shot when I get my satisfaction, when I get my filling. God, you've hit the bullseye. 
And Jesus is saying, yes, but you're dropping in places. You're missing the real target. And he tells these two stories, and what happens? The crowd grow in anger, in wrath. And they rose up to throw him off the mountain side, the hillside. If you've seen The Chosen, you would see that amazing image, amazing series to go see that depicted. They marveled at his words, but in the same breath, as soon as they realized the implications that they had to be people of renewal, of getting outside the four walls, they sought to diminish him. They sought to pull him down. And Jesus had sensed that response. He already spoke to them. You say, hey, bring about a healing, and I'm telling you, God's about healing outside the four walls. You're aiming for the target of renewal. Don't have this us-first comfort mentality. Jesus said there's no miracles to be had there. And so Jesus doesn't heal a single person in that town because their mentality was, my comfort, Jesus. My renewal first, Jesus. And Jesus says, you're missing the bullseye. I can't do a miracle in a town that has a mindset of self comfort. I can only have a bullseye for those who want to live the Isaiah passage because guess what? The miracle working Jesus is in the room. You can become oaks of righteous. You can restore the ruins. Don't aim fire at the comfort because the Spirit is upon me. This is the great bullseye. If we want to be people of renewal, we must be people of the Spirit. I love that Jesus opens with these lines, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We believe that Jesus was fully man and fully God, living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see no miracles recorded before his baptism of where the Holy Spirit fell upon him. Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, did all things to demonstrate what you and me can do with a Spirit-empowered life. He's the forgotten member of the Trinity. It's always Father God and Jesus. But so often we forget this strange person who is more feared than actually needed in our community. If we want to be people of renewal, I believe that Jesus opened with these lines because he knew that the target, the goal for us is to be spirit-filled people. It says in Acts 1, but Jesus promised this as he, before he went up to be with the Father ruling and reign. And Acts 1, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the promise that you don't go alone in renewal. Because I think the other uncomfortability is when I think about trying to renew Washington, I get really overwhelmed. When I drive through the town, when I see the slowness of how things are meant to be changing, when I see it looks like things are just getting worse, I'm like, God, help me. I have no idea how on earth I can do this. And so we fill our minds with doubts. We fill our minds with this just isn't possible. And actually the Holy Spirit says, 
I'm here for you. An empowered spirit life is what we need. And I would argue as well why America is diminishing in Christianity is because we're not demonstrating the gospel. Billy Graham once said this, Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected. They read the words on the page and it doesn't seem to marry up. And they often have reoccurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of a nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. John Stott said this, What we need is not more learning, not more eloquence, not more persuasion, not more organization, but the power from the Holy Spirit. You could mark the last hundred years by intense moves of the Spirit. We had Azusa Street, which really birthed our movement that we're in, a non-denominational church, a spirit-charismatic field church that birthed our movement. We can look at the Jesus movement. If any of you have seen Jesus Revolution, that movie that betrayed these broken people that were just desperate for Jesus, doing amazing things. You could see the Toronto revival, Asbury revival or awakening, whatever you want to call it. But all that was in those spaces were people that were desperate for Jesus. There were people that were willing to become uncomfortable to lay down their structures of how they see the world, lay down their time and importance and say, God, I am desperate for a move of God. Would you come and move? They were desperate. They weren't comfortable people. They knew that the only thing that would change the hearts of people was a desperation for a move of God. A desperation for God to come and breathe His Ruach Spirit into and through us. Reality is, and I love this line, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Ephesians, it talks about the promise that we have been sealed, we have been wrapped by the Holy Spirit. Because you confess Jesus Lord, it's a two-for-one deal. You get Jesus Lord and Savior at the right hand of the Father, and you have the Holy Spirit that resides in each and every one of us. But I think this challenge that the Holy Spirit just put on my heart, this truth, to know what's on you, you have to know what's within you. To know what's on you, you have to know what's within you. These two symbiotic uh, relationships that exist. An illustration. When I have people that come to me and say, man, I just feel like I've got heaviness on me. Have you ever felt that? We just have like a, a heaviness. You don't know what's, and you would say, I just feel like something's on me. And I would ask the question, and I, this is what I would do when counseling people, well, what's within you right now? What anxieties, what fears, what things are within you because what's within you informs what's on you. I think about talent. We see people who have talent on them, but they've got to do to discover what's within them to understand what's on them. Does that make sense this morning? I'll keep on hitting with it as well. Because it's the battle 
within, if we want to have a spirit-filled life like Isaiah that says empowered people can transform worlds, if we believe in our heads that's real, yet we feel separation with what we are seeing and doing. I think a lot of us live massively dissatisfied. I said to Rach this week, I was like, I haven't seen a good miracle for a while. I haven't seen like a really good one. I've got a long history in my own life and other people's lives. But I want something real. I want to point people to Jesus with a miracle that transforms. Because remember, the purpose of the miracle is not to self-gratification. It is to glorify God. I wonder if there's a reality that there are many Christians that don't realize the spirit that is actually upon them because they're not feeding what's within them. They have a reality that the spirit is upon you that conquered the grave, but you're not moving in it because there's a battle within. There's a battle within you. And a a verse that I just want to land our time on together is this. It's found in Ephesians, and just some context for you. Ephesians is an amazing letter from Paul. Six chapters long, not a, a long read, real quick. The first three chapters are identity of who you are in Christ. All these amazing promises that you just feel good reading over and over again. And then chapter four, five, and six makes this pivot to if you are this image of God then you are to live differently. And 4, 5, and 6 cause us to ask, what does it mean for us to live differently for Jesus? Chapter 5 talks about walking in love. talks about how with your words, with your actions, with your character, how you love other people. And at the end of the chapter, if you've been through any Christian marriage counseling, you will have this story shown about how wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. So bookends, actions of love, a list of things to do, and then an illustration of how love is to look. Right in the middle of the verses is this about the Holy Spirit. And this passage might cause you some trauma this morning. Because people often have quoted this, don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit. And we've kind of taken the first part of the don't rather than the implication of be filled. I don't know if you've had a grandparent or a mother throw this at you at some time. And this is great pastoral advice moment. Don't get drunk. Like I get to throw that out because that is a little translation. But there is something more that is happening because as the verses go on, and please read the whole chapter in context, but he begins to unpack what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And so Paul does not want us just to work on what not to do. In fact, he really wants to pull apart what should be done, how to live. And I think this comparison is stunning. If we look at someone who maybe is drunk, that picture of someone who consumes over and over again in their consumption, they become dull in mind. Yeah, it feels good, but they become dull in mind. It leads the eyes to wonder. They fail to make good decisions. But I think wine actually is a perfect picture of self-satisfaction. 
Wine is not just a good physical reality, but also a uh, spiritual mentality that those who get drunk all the time are people that just want to self-satisfy. Even for people who drink to dull the pain of their trauma, they just want to self-satisfy. For those who want to be the life of the party, you just want to self-satisfy. Does that make sense this morning? Like this is the word picture I think Paul's trying to get at today, that the bullseye of our lives, this is the root today. So if we want to be people of renewal, maybe today you're just like, Johnny, that's a framework I don't even understand at the moment. Start with me here today. This is the starting point. This is the root of where it all begins. There's a bullseye of self-satisfaction and there is a bullseye of the intimacy of the Spirit. And that's what Paul is getting at in that moment. Because wine is a picture of self-satisfaction. So like when we just self-satisfy over and over again, our minds actually become dull. If you just live for yourself constantly, just think about what pleases me, I'm number one, your mind becomes dull. In fact, you become someone who just people don't want to hang around with. If you're number one in your life and you're just filled, your mind becomes dull. It leads your eyes to wonder, amen? Like why people are unfaithful to other people, it's because they're just living for themselves. That's why marriage is the beautiful picture of dying to self to serve one another. When we've just got our target as just me, 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 my pleasure, my desire, we make and our eyes begin to lead to wonder about what can satisfy me next, what can bring about my fulfillment. And if we just have self-satisfaction as a target, we fail to make good decisions. If it's just about my satisfaction, the implications of decisions are huge. And I love the intimacy of the Spirit, but be filled with the Spirit. God went to great lengths to be close to you. That's the truth this morning. God loves you fervently, so much so that he wanted to get us close. Having a physical Jesus on the earth was not close enough. He wanted his very spirit inside of you. And so he said, it is good that I have to go away because I'm going to send the spirit because the Spirit is going to fill you. I love that intimacy of language right now, that this is who you are in Christ, that you are filled with a substance. You are filled with the Spirit, but you're also filled with lots of other things. You're filled with your desires, your wants, your fulfillment of life, and there is a contention for the filling of who you are. You are a limited vessel. You cannot contain all the things of the world. You cannot listen to all the podcasts in the world. You cannot absorb all the information in the world. And I, I feel like Homer from The Simpsons a lot because I listen to something and it pushes something old out. Have you found that? Like I've learned something new and now I can't remember the name of that. Like I feel like some things just get pushed in because we're a limited vessel. In any given moment, if you listen to the media all week long, you will be filled with something. And then you come to try and worship Jesus, and you're like, I just can't hear him. You're filled with something else. 
Just don't hear God. You're filled with something else. Why doesn't God just meet me right now? You're filled with something else. And you need to change what your filling is. This is what Paul's talking about. If you just fill yourself with yourself and you expect to live a life after God, you're missing the whole picture. Because he is so desperate to be, not a desperate boyfriend or girlfriend, don't get that wrong. He is viciously godly jealous for you. He's not a creepy stalker waiting to pounce on you. He's not that. He is God. He is holy. But he is desperate for his people. He is desperate for them to be filled with the substance of the Spirit inside of us. And I love that language of filling. Because that's intimacy. He desires you. And he's not a force to be managed He's not a casual hookup of, well, I have Jesus on Sundays. The Spirit is a lifelong partnership. Its intimacy is the longing of our soul. Actually, self-satisfaction is trying to find intimacy. Self-satisfaction is trying to find that space to be whole. But it will never find it in your gratification. The only way you will find fulfillment is in the intimacy, in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that word filling that Paul uses is a present tense, meaning you must be continually being filled, continually being renewed, that it's not a one-stop shop, but God wants to stir inside of you something brand new. I love that John the Gospel writer calls the Spirit our helper, our advocate. And if you're honest today, if the Trinity sounds really confusing, that's okay. If the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who do I pray to? Am I meant to pray to the Father? Am I meant to pray to Jesus? Am I meant to pray to the Holy Spirit? Who am I meant to worship? Welcome to the conversation. We're all working this out, but He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is within you. He is all around us right now. He is the very water that we swim in. And like the conversation of the fish um, driving, uh, swimming past each other, as one says to the other, hey, the water's really great today. And the other one goes, what's water? Because it's so immersed in them all the time they don't know. And I think that's for the Spirit that He is all around us, but yet we just don't know Him. He's a friendship that is both planned and spontaneous. He's someone that you've got to be intentional with. Your friends, you have to be intentional with them to form the relationship that you want. But also, it's really cool when you get to hang out spontaneously with your friends, right? In fact, those are the best hangs. You're just like, hey, we're going to meet at this place afterwards. Do you want to come meet? And those are the best times. And we have to be willing and ready. But if we are filling ourselves with a container of just ourselves, we'll miss the spontaneous of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. This is what it's about. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is holy. He is holy. Sin does not mix with the presence of God. Sin is a way of hiding ourselves. When sin entered into the Garden of Eden, what did they do? They clothed themselves. And so sin will always look to be void of intimacy, which is what we most crave. 
Sin is always looking to hide your brokenness, hide who you are. But Jesus is the great light. The Holy Spirit is the great light. He illuminates us. He sees all of you. And this truth you've got to understand today. He sees all of you. All the things, the dark shadows that you don't even know about. And he loves you more than any other person will ever will. He sees all your hidden secrets. He sees your web browser. He sees the desires that you have in your mind that you don't want other people to know. He sees them all. And yet he loves all of us. But sin doesn't wash in the presence of God. He's passionate about the people of God. And he wants to change your container today. I love that the Holy Spirit is called the Advocate because the enemy is called the accuser. And think of the court setting where the enemy is trying to accuse you. Accuse you of this failure, this brokenness, this lie, this about who you are. And the Holy Spirit is advocating, praying, interceding on your behalf because he wants to change the container of who you are. He's asking the question, will you give up your self-satisfaction and would you learn intimacy of the Holy Spirit? The cool thing is, is we are starting deep diving on following Jesus together because a lot of you are like, okay, how do I do this? You've got to follow Jesus together. We are going to take a deep dive over the next eight weeks on what that all means. Because I can't just say, hey, just follow the Holy Spirit. It's a journey. It's following Jesus. And so the renewal of Washington does not work if you do not follow Jesus. If you are not in intimacy of the Holy Spirit, you cannot renew things. If you're not willing to change your container, and my friend, you can try and live a dualistic life, but you'll be more frustrated at yourself. And Jesus says this, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. Stop living in the lukewarm space, my friend, because you will just do a disservice to yourself and to the people around you. God would rather you be cold than lukewarm, but really he would be passionate for you to be on fire for him. Are you excited when you come to church, when you get to gather with the people of God? Is Jesus the first thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning? Is Jesus the one that you pursue passionately? And if you're not, that's okay. Because Jesus wants to invite you into a space of life and life to the full. That maybe the bullseye that you thought would bring you the fulfillment of life is the reason why you're so dissatisfied, so anxious, so much fear riding, and all of us struggle with those things. But there's an answer on hand, and he's closer than the air that you breathe. In fact, he's on you. Would you learn to fill him with yourself? Would you learn to fill the Holy Spirit with you? And so the worst thing that we can do as we leave a message like this is just say, Johnny, those are really nice thoughts. I'm really encouraged today. That would make me the most upset. If you didn't like it, that's fine, actually, because then you can go do some research, go study for yourselves, and maybe find that maybe it was right. But anyways, but the worst thing to do is just say, these are nice words, Johnny. Thanks for making me feel encouraged of how loved I feel. My invitation is actually, will you change your container today? 
Will you change what is filling inside of you? If we're to be people of renewal to Washington, it requires an intimacy, which requires following Jesus, which requires growing in wholeness. All of this works together because God desires for His kingdom come and His will to be done. How can you shift your container? So let's just pray this morning.